Welcome to the Digitally Dreaming Off the Good Arm podcast. It is your host, the one, the only San Francisco 49er faithful, based out here in Sacramento, but also by way of the Bay Area, where I am situated. The official member of the chain gang, boy, Asif Ali. <laughs> well, my co-host of the most, number two, four from Chicago, the most Not baddest again, man. Bang, bang. Bang, bang, not a gang. We out here, baby. I'm going to tell y'all one thing. You can't treat Brock Purdy like any other quarterback because he ain't like any other quarterback. You got it? (laughs) Brock Purdy is Mr. Relevant. Yesterday, the game which I attended, the absolute greatest game I've ever attended in my life, the NFC Championship game at Levi Stadium against the Detroit Lions, hailing from Cortez's NFC North. The most anticipated NFC matchup of the year with the Lions offensive line, with the weapons that they have with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Jared Goff, with Jameer Gibbs, of course. You know, I'm going to show you. We got some other Gibbs, Gibbs, right? Right, number two, four. We got some love to, you know. And, of course, the San Francisco 49ers, with none other, Mr. Elvin, Brock Purdy, number two, three, Christian McCaffrey. The Rejoice jersey I wore yesterday. If you guys can see that background photo, you can see the three. You have number 85, George Kittle. Number 19, Debo Samuel. Number 11, Brandon Ayuk. Debo. Number 71, Trent Williams. Oh, my Lord. Maybe Look Debo, up. one of my favorite players of art right now. You already know that because I've been talking about him since last year. We're talking about a roster, boy. <laughs> Man, please, excuse me if, if, if I'm a little turned up, but, I mean, I can't help myself, people. <laughs> I got on all this red today, and it ain't for no Kansas City Chiefs, I'm going to tell you that much. Uh, hell no, it ain't no Chiefs, and we're going to talk about the motherfuckers and the bitch, them, them sneaky-ass bitches. But. <laughs> First of all, everybody that comes to watch this show, y'all need to do one thing. Y'all need to go ahead and give us a round of applause for calling it the way that it should have been called all season long. Okay? Yeah. Now, you know. My boy over here is a big-time San Francisco 49ers fan. My dad's a big-time fan. You know, I like the team. They're not necessarily my favorite team, but everybody knows how much I like them, too. And we've been talking about the intangibles all year long. What happens when you get physical with a team? What happens when you step up? What happens? Man. It's it's undeniable. It's undeniable. You know, I want to say, you know, from my experiences, you know, because this is not the first NFC title game I've attended. I went to the NFC Championship game back in 2019, 2020 for the 2019 season, just like this game for in 2024 for the 2023 season, right, against the Green Bay Packers. I obviously went to, to the divisional round matchup against the Green Bay Packers last week, right? The experience of that game, the first NFC Championship game I went to was, was, was very unique because I got to sit right next to George Kittle's family, Nick Bosa's family, John Bosa, Bruce Kittle, Claire Kittle, uh, you know, his mom, and, you know, they're very, very kind people, you know? I believe I believe the Oklahoma, Iowa, you know, types of, you know, I mean, Midwestern types of people, you know, who are very, very kind. This time when I went to the game, my seat, I just got the ticket. I'm like, okay, whatever, make my peace with it. Whatever it costs me, whatever it costs me. I'm not sure when I'm going to come back out here, you know, again. But then the moment I get in, they say, okay, yeah, you know, so you got to walk around all the way to the side of Levi's. And then once you get there, you got to go all the way down the middle. Okay, let's see what we got out here. So I walked all the way around, all the way through, comes through, come back around to my section. I come down, 
I'm like, man, this shit's a fucking long ass walk. I ain't never been to the side of the stadium before. And I've been in the Levi Stadium since 2015, at least once game every single year. And then I go down, and then I realize right in front of me, smack dab center, is the Fox Sports pregame booth with Michael Strahan, Jimmy Johnson, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Howie Long, and Terry Bradshaw. And who's right standing right next to him? Jerry Rice. Who's standing right next to Jerry? Joe Montana. I mean, then you got Richard Sherman. You got Jalen Rose. You got Birdman, baby, the rapper, you know? And then you got Brock and the players on the field just doing their thing, warming up. So I'm just basically taking all this in, bro, because I never been this close to the field before. My seats are in section, you know, 140, 134, section 14. And, you know, I'm obviously, you know, I'm and I'm standing there, like, right. And, of course, for, like, 55 minutes, I could see all these, you know, I was starstruck. I'm not going to lie. I've been a lot of pro athletes in my day, obviously, on this podcast, obviously, you know. But, I mean, I was just absolutely starstruck because that's my first time actually seeing Jerry Rice and seeing Joe Montana, like, on the field. Like, you know, you obviously see him settings where they sign autographs. Like, that's how I saw John Taylor, you know, almost, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, it's so cool, you know, because you see the love and respect, the gifts and faithful. You kind of you kind of put two and two together. But, you know, I mean, obviously the whole experience, you know, the obviously sitting next to me was my boy Jade. You know, his boys bailed on him. So, you know, we basically were just talking and we had a great time, man. It was just the ebbs and flows of the game. Let's actually, let's actually get into the game itself because now we're kind of, you know, we need to get into it. So, obviously the Niners came out flat, right? Right? The Lions basically came. They came blazing. The Lions came out, you know, want to put their basically stamp their name on the ground at Levi's. The Niners were able to kind of use four, it was first 7 0, then it was 14 0, then it was 14 7, and then it was 21 7, and then it was 24 7 before halftime. You know, and I'm in my stage chair. Journey comes out, does a halftime show. So, bro, let me ask you, you know, you watching this from home, what did you see from this halftime? This, First half performance from, from Detroit. Yeah, I'm you, bro. <laughs> Dang it. Well, I'll be honest here, okay? I'm watching the game, and, you know, uh, I'm not a Lions fan in the least or the slightest. Mm-hmm. I have great respect for what the Lions are able to accomplish this year. Okay. But I said this weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I want you guys to go back and look at what came out of my mouth. Huh? The, I said the Lions are a good team. They're playing like one of the best teams in the NFL. Yep. I said, but my Chicago Bears <laughs> exposed them not once, but twice this season. And I That's said that. that the Chicago Bears have what it takes to show the rest of the league how to beat the Lions. If you notice, the teams that followed that game plan beat them. San Francisco did not follow that game plan in the first half of the game. The Lions out-physicaled them, the Lions outmatched them, and the yep. Lions played better than them in the first half of the game. What happened at halftime is that Shanahan and his boys went to that locker room, they sat down, they all shut up, and they listened, and they said, how do we beat a team that has so many things and so many different phases of the game? And they said, be more physical than them, be a little bit harder than them, play through the whistle, change up the game plan a little bit. And that's exactly what San Francisco did. 
And as soon as they did it, they or they scored 30, 30 what, 31 unanswered points. Mm-hmm. Yep. 31 unanswered points. Unanswered. You didn't see life out of Detroit until the last six minutes of the game. Actually, last 60 seconds. <laughs> I've yeah, been like on. They had nothing. They had yeah. nothing. You know, nothing. like they it was over. You know, like I, I was watching, I was like, this is a beatdown. This whole second, like the second half was a completely different game that we were watching. They took all the life out of Detroit. And I'm telling you, if you're a road team and you're on the road, whether it's a whether it's a in regular season game, preseason game, and especially the playoffs, if you're a road team and you don't keep your energy up through halftime, you're gonna lose that game. And that's why every team that 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 lost in the second half of a game, including in the Super Bowl with Atlanta, your energy level of a game is going to show in that second half. Come out strong. But if you're not putting up 50 in the first half, you better play in the second half. That's a whole game for a team to catch up on you, especially when they have five five all-stars, five pro bowlers, and, a, and five future Hall of Famers on one squad. 100%. And only on one side of the ball because the other side of the ball got four others. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. really hard. It's really hard to be uh, to be a team that isn't that isn't gonna be balanced the entire game. And if you're not balanced the entire game, you're gonna lose. Hundred percent. I think kind of the way where I was going with that question was because what we saw, what I saw last week against Green Bay against the divisional, what I saw the Packers, the Niners do to the Packers at Levi's when I was there. When I what I saw was pretty much just like. Well, yesterday's performance was that performance on steroids in terms of coming back and just wheeling through a tough game to win. And I think kind of to your point about road teams, right? If you do not play 100% and you do not have your full focus and attention and you do not try to put your foot on your motherfucking opponent's throats all four quarters, <laughs> to your point, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> Ooh. What we saw yesterday was pretty much no down display. Basically, what the team, the Niners team, just came out probably a little, still a little beat up from the from the Packers game. Still about that Detroit was basically willing to, you know, was going to do. But I do want to say, commend defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes for basically making the necessary adjustments at halftime. To your point, Cortez, you know, Kyle, you know, gets so much flack for not winning the big one. And out and being out schemed out coaching big games, but seeing what he was able to do, that was also phenomenal. I mean, just seeing how well this this Niners team was able to come together and basically, and you know the guy the guy driving the ship, you know, on the on on the field, you know, the field general, you know, number thirteen, right? My players who are rookie quarterbacks, we've seen a lot of young rookie quarterbacks this year, like Jordan Love and many others. Where like you know they they show poise, but sometimes the moment seems like it's too big for them. Like Jordan Love throwing that pick near the end at that that game against against you know against to, to Drake Greenlaw. That to me was a talent, and it's basically it's like it's coming out party. But you know he showed what he could do against Dallas, but he's not there to be a next level quarterback. Whereas Brock Purdy in his first year, like we talked about on the, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, I mean, basically Brock Purdy was able to, and how well he can basically 
you know, take the Niners to this next level and basically show how, how, how mature. And I guess the best comparison I can think of is Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson came out, and you remember how, how good he was his rookie year, he made the Pro Bowl. And then the second year, he followed that up by, you know, leading the Seahawks to the Super Bowl and winning the championship. Everyone labeled him a game manager. And that's pretty much been the issue with Brock Purdy. Everyone labels him a game manager. But what we saw yesterday was a guy who can go and stand in a, a, a boxing match with another heavyweight and basically lean into punches and not try to, you know, not try to duck, beam, and walk, but basically go head on and basically, you know, duke it out all 12 rounds, right? That was a heavyweight fight for the NFC Championship, exactly. right? And I think that's what you need sometimes. You need them dogs, bro. That's what Steve Young criticized the team about in the past. That's what Jerry Rice criticized the team about in the past. Not even that far long ago. Literally last season before Brock became the quarterback. He said there are not of dogs in this locker room. But you, I saw Steve Young give his on-field interview last week. I saw Joe give his on-field interview this week. I saw Jerry, you know, talking amongst, you know, fraternizing with Brian Young, Frank Gore, your boy, Frank Gore, right, number two, one. I mean, I just – I loved – how well they came out that second half and how much more energy. Jair Brown was was crucial getting that stop on Jameer Gibbs, getting that turnover. Nick Bosa was crucial getting those two stacks on Goff in the second half. The defense was critical in terms of shutting down Detroit and only allowing yes, seven. Extremely. Absolutely. Right. You know, even though they gave up, you know, a huge amount of chunk yards, which I'm sure Steve Wilkes is going to work on these next two weeks, they absolutely came out with a masterclass performance on that side of the ball. Fred Warner is a phenomenal general, a captain of that middle of the field. Nick Bosa, Chase Young, moving those guys around was genius. Javon Hargrave was the unsung hero. He was basically our MVP that second half, basically stopping the run and basically clogging up those interior lanes, which you'd know about, you know, being that running back, you know, because when you clog up the A gap and the B gap, then there's no other gaps you can hit. So at the end of the day – you know, I mean, you basically had, you know, a, a full, well-rounded performance on the defense side of the ball, as well as the offense, like say, like we talked about, Debo, George Kittle, and Brock. Golly, I can't say enough. I mean, just the, the abilities to make plays with his feet, not his arm, his feet the second half. I mean, that to me was a hallmark of, of true maturity and true greatness from that young quarterback, right? So... I loved the IU catch. I mean, golly, that was a sexy catch. Almost picked off, but then Bob's off the guy can't hold in. Ayu comes up, he extends those long arms, and he comes down with it. And the next play, he scores. And Brock had the confidence to throw it to Ayu right between the two defenders. I mean, that's, I mean, and again, I mean, uh, you saw Brock, you know, replicate that success. Looks like he's about to get sacked, you know, near back, back to back on his 11, I believe. Then he basically, he escapes it. He, he rolls out left. He finds Juice, and Juice basically, you know, gets gets the, gets the sideline toe tap, and he gets, you know, a, a first down. I mean, you Devo, obviously, you know, I mean, George Kittle, you know what I mean? Everyone, Brock was able to get everyone involved in the offense. Chris McCaffrey had his. I mean, you know, I think Jordan Mitchell, if I'm mistaken, had one, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, bro, this was, I mean, you know, this was the, this was the game I needed to see. Because when you get, because the next round, the final, right, I get the Super Bowl, which we're going to talk about in a bit, because I do want to talk about the AFC Championship for a little bit before we kind of, you know, preview. This game told me this Niners team has will resolve. They need to clean up, you know, their defense. But outside of that, they if they come out guns blazing, get George involved and get, and get Timo involved, get get the ball to the playmakers. Trent's on his, you know, the O-line. And I, I cannot commend the O-line enough. Cole McKivitt, 
Trent Williams, obviously, you know, kind of be the anchor of the offensive line. This offensive line played some played stalwart yesterday against Aiden Hutchinson and the boys. And Brock obviously took some shots, but he was still able to make some clutch throws of Juwan Jennings. And obviously the only kind of knock knock I would say is those crossbody throws. But outside of those crossbody throws, bro, I really love what I saw all around. So even with anyway, the crossbody throws though, mm-hmm. he's made those all season. He has. Yes. Yeah, absolutely has. And yeah. I'm a big proponent of not deviating from what works. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to deviate from what works, but you also want to make sure that, you know, you don't want to put the ball in harm's way. The problem is you got to take those shots sometimes. You got to be a risk taker. What was the knock on Jimmy G all those years? Jimmy G is a game, not not a game manager, but he just can't, he's not, he, he can't get chances. the ball. He doesn't take chances because he doesn't have a deep arm. He doesn't, he doesn't have a strong arm. He doesn't have, and that's knock on Brock. He doesn't have a strong arm, but Brock is actually much better than Jimmy. In so many regards. I mean, you have to see it in person because I've seen Jimmy play three times in person. I've seen Brock play now three times as well. <laughs> so let me Sorry, ask you this question. You... Yeah. With the resilience and everything that we know about San Francisco, mm-hmm. what do they have to do to beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl? Oh, we're going to get there. Now let's talk about the AFC Championship, all right? We were watching the, the, you know, where I stand, like I told you, with all the stars next to the, the Fox pregame Sunday, you know, right there. They had the game on, right? And, you know, my, my, my boy next to me, man, he was telling, hey, hey, cameraman, move over a step, bro. We're trying to see this game. <laughs> and so, bro, I mean, we're watching this game, G. And well, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, because, you know, Baltimore's hanging in there. KC gets up 14, was it 14-7. And I mean, I mean, listen to my boy Sam. Shout out Sam. Sam sells him on IG. He was texting me on my way to the game. That's my boy from high school, right? Shout out, baby. But you know, anyways, bro, I was watching the game. I'm like, oh my god, like you know. And I was just waiting for Baltimore to come back. I was waiting. I was waiting. Then Lamar was not able to execute. I mean, they were just they had opportunities, and Lamar basically just shit the bed. I'm sorry to say, that's what he did. I saw Lamar play put on a masterclass performance against the Niners and against Christmas Day. We came on this platform. We basically talked about that. You basically said to yourself that, you know, if they see each other again, it'll be a different story. Well, now we don't have to worry about that because now we get to play the GOAT of this generation, Patrick Mahomes, right, who basically went out there. And, you know, the real true hero of that AFC championship is the defense. You can't see the Chiefs. I mean, they what, what they had four sacks, two two turnovers, two picks. I mean, this 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 defense is for real. And I, I checked it this morning. They are second league in scoring. The scoring, they're the second scoring defense, I believe, behind Baltimore or Cleveland, and the number three is San Francisco. Okay, so I mean, we're talking about like this. These are like we talking about heavyweights. Now we're talking about like the true heavyweights, right? We saw Kansas City and San Francisco match up, but let's. But before we do that, before I want to say one more thing about the AFC Championship game, I really thought that Zay Flowers and Lamar Jackson were not on were not on key, and when the receiver is losing faith in his quarterback. And you visibly see his body language. You see Odell Beckham, who's basically now having to be a veteran, step in and console Lamar and console Zay on the sideline. That to me is a hallmark of a team that's not ready to take to, you know, get to the next level. And you saw that, you know, against a veteran dynasty team like Kansas City yesterday. Uh, well, my okay, so I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like I'm condemning Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this in the best way that I can. Okay. I have played 
in so many football games. Costa Rica. <laughs> Costa, yeah, bro. Costa Rica was fun. I got what nine days before I gotta go again. Shout out Gonzalo. If you're watching nine this, days. baby, shout out Gonzalo. Be, I'll be there in nine days. That's so. my boy out there from my that's my boy out there from Costa Rica. He's asked me if the pause dropping today. I told him, yeah. I was actually not gonna do it today, but then Gonzalo, yeah. shout out, baby. Are you busy? Like, do you have? Are you? You're gonna? Are you going to the Super Bowl, or are you gonna watch it from home? I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay, so if you don't go to the Super Bowl, huh? feel free to host a solo cast while my game's going on because my game starts at two. Okay, so your game's gonna be a few hours beforehand. Yeah, my game's before the Super Bowl. That's what's up. That's the two up. biggest games in the world are being played on the same day. So, yeah. <laughs> so the two biggest games in the world are being played on the same day. Uh, we're the, I believe we're the only two games on that day across the world. Uh-huh. I think everybody else is off. Uh, uh-huh. Overseas is off. I know that for a fact. All the overseas teams are off. I believe that only us and the uh, NFL are playing that day. Okay. If we play at two, they play, I believe, at six. Okay, sounds good, bro. So if you have if you have an opportunity to not only just not to just watch the game, but you can do a side by side cast of you and the game commentating because the um we so they don't use English commentary. Oh, they don't. No, so you could commentate the game yourself if you would like. Uh, okay. I thought about doing this, but I'm like, I'll be in the game, so it's going to be impossible for me to commentate. Okay, okay. You know, but um, that being said, I've been in a lot of football games, hundreds uh-huh. over the last over the last 25 years. Uh-huh. Hundreds of football games. You're football national. And your um, Chicago Falcons. No. That was one time. That was one time. And I, we were, we were. If I would have played the second half, like you still would have lost, bro. You guys deserve that win, man. They, I, they, I love they, you, bro. The Oakland Sharks were cheating by signing us anyway. They were yeah. cheating by signing. They were cheating by signing. You guys deserve that win. Hey, salute, baby. Salute. You okay. guys deserve okay. that one. My bad, bro. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna interject. Please, please. Bro. Hey, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But yeah, I've I played in a lot of games and sometimes the officiating's not on your side. Oh, 100%. And it just seems that everything that you do is going to be negatively flagged and you're going to have a shorter leash. Sometimes that comes from the coaching staff being too chippy. Sometimes that comes from the players having a little bit too much edge on them. Sometimes that just comes from the referees just being the way they are. Yep. And I got to tell you, if you get caught up in a team like if you get caught up in a team like the Ravens did with the officiating, you can't beat you can't beat twelve. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't be all fifteen. You can't be fifteen. You can't beat that. No, you can't. But I wanna also say I think Lamar just blew it. I just thought well, where I was going with that is this. Mm-hmm. You can't put it in your head. That's your playing 15. You got to mm-hmm. put it in your head that I have to be better because they're not going to help me. Right. So 
on that pass where it should have been called pass interference twice, that was mm-hmm. less the referee's fault for not calling it mm-hmm. and more Lamar Jackson's fault for throwing in a triple coverage. Right, right. Uh, now, yeah, we know Aaron Rodgers has gotten that call. We know that Patrick Mahomes has gotten that call. We've seen Brady and everyone else get that call. I'm sorry you didn't get the call, man, but guess what? You had open reads. Mm-hmm. On top of it, Zay Flowers cost your team. Yeah. Zay Flowers needs to mature. He does. He's a great talent. He ain't Tyreek Hill yet because he's not mature enough to be Tyreek Hill. Yep. He's not mature to be Diggs. He's just not he's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Jordan Addison. He's not these premier receivers yet. And I'm sorry, but you needed to lose this game. As much as I as much as I wanted them to win the game against the Chiefs, because I cannot stand them. They needed to lose that game. And I'm sorry to everyone that's gonna be upset with that, with that, but there are some games in professional sports where you don't benefit by winning a game which you didn't play your best. You don't benefit when you didn't behave your best. You got Jadavian and Clowney just throwing the quarterback around for no reason. Dude, don't beat him with a cheap shot. Beat him by being better than him. 100%, bro. And as much as I wanted the Baltimore Ravens to win, I watched the game in its entirety, and I got to say, you guys blew it. They didn't beat you. They scored 17 points. You blew it in the AFC Championship. You did not step up on the biggest stage of them all in your conference. You're not taking home an AFC title. You're not taking home a ring for it. And you guys need to go home, get in the gym, watch some film, get some therapy, and decide to be better people before you go out there and try to play football again. Mike, drop, boy. <laughs> Love I, that. I, I want it. Like, don't get me wrong, bro. I wanted them to win. But there were so many problematic plays and attitudes on the team that when this was going on, I'm like, dude, get your head in the game. You just yeah. got a 55-yard reception with enough time to tie the game and or win the game, and you're throwing the football at people and pushing them into the ground? Dude, get over yourself. And then the very next play, you fumbled because you didn't protect the football? First <laughs> of all, stop being greedy. <laughs> Like, the dive was cute, but you didn't need to do that. You could have walked into the end zone. You have said that so many times on this show. You don't dive. Just cute. Walk. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to make be flashy, make plays like, like that. Make the play. And it doesn't have to look sexy. It doesn't have to be, you know what I mean? Cute, right? Just make the play. I get a lot of flack by today's football players because I am an old-school, gritty, hard-nosed football player. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. At one point in time, I was one of the fastest people on this planet. Mm-hmm. At one point in time. And that's not just Sutterfuge. I got the medals to prove it. Yeah. I was one of the fastest people on the planet at one point in time. And even then, I preferred to play hard-nosed football. And I'm sorry. A physical team is going to beat a finesse team every day. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of, you know, a team that is, is more disciplined, to your point, you know, like a Kansas City Chiefs team, which is who's been there, done that. They have so much equity. That's what I keep hearing national media. Oh, my God, they patch them up. So much equity. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have equity. I mean, fuck them. <laughs> We're going to talk about them in a bit. But, they do. I mean, yeah, but they do. And, uh, you know, a team like Baltimore, which is this is their first time ever making the AFC championship game under Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh. 
You know, I mean, it's it's you know, Lamar Jackson's only twenty six years old. I mean, yeah, of course he's he's a two time MVP. He's going to win MVP this year too, but he's twenty six years old. I mean, you got to put that in new context. Like, yeah, like I mean, and obviously Patrick Mahomes only twenty eight, but at the same time, Patrick Mahomes came in and he's just on our level. But Lamar Jackson, you know, I mean, he still has many years ahead of him, and you know, I mean, I mean, I don't like the Ravens because of you know the fact that they've been kind of you know Molly whopping liars over the last kind of you know since the millennium, but. I really am happy that, you know, that, okay, now we're going to talk about it. I really am happy. Sorry, one more thing. I want to transition back to the championship game. You mentioned blew it, right? Did you think Dan Campbell blew it by going for it on fourth down and not taking those two field goals? Because that seems to be the hottest topic today on sports media. About Dan Campbell? By Dan Campbell not going for it on fourth down. No, by going for it on fourth down and not taking the points in those situations. Those fourth and two. Yep. I cannot stress how annoying it is when you look at a computer to tell you how to coach and or play this game. <laughs> Stats are not important. Yeah. I'm look. I'm going to tell you this right now. And my team Justin Fields Yes, because I saw what Justin Fields did to a possible Super Bowl contender. Mm -hmm. I saw what Justin Fields did all season. What you guys don't remember is that the Bears lost four games where they were up two scores with less than a, less than 15 minutes left in the game. Less than five minutes in three of those instances. Less than four minutes in three of those instances. And in two of those instances, they were up by two scores with two minutes on the clock. Yep. You go, and four, if, if you win four or, four or five of those games that you should have won, that puts the Bears at at, uh, at 11 and, and, uh, and six. Yeah. Or 12 and five. Yeah. That completely changes the NFC North and the NFC as a whole. And we may have seen the Bears against the 49ers. Because there ain't no way that, that Detroit was beating them again this year. They barely beat them the first time. And that was only because, once again, the Bears coaching staff got cute. Stop listening to the Microsoft Surface and listen to all of the years that all of you have been playing football. Kick the damn field goal. It's that simple, bro. It's literally that simple. Playoff football. You don't have the – look at the end of the game. You don't have the situation at the end of the game if you kick the field goal. You don't yep. need an onside kick recover because you're winning the game. Yep. And I'm sorry <laughs> to 49ers fans, but if they kick that field goal, you don't win and you don't go to the Super Bowl. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Maybe. there would have been no time to do so. And it's nothing That's against cool. the 49ers because the 49ers played football the right way the whole second half. They did not worry about the score. They went out every drive to 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 play their game. Mm -hmm. They forgot about the score. You didn't see you know, a single 49ers player looking at the clock. You didn't see a single 49ers player looking at the score. They went out there. Their heads were down. They were focused. They knew what they had to do. And that's why they're in the Super Bowl. But you're right, though. I mean, I do actually agree. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll fuck with you on today. I got to be a homer. You know how I am with the Bears ah, and, yeah, and no, the Patriots and the Bucks. So I got to be. I got to. No, but you're right. If the Lions keep those field goals, 
you only have 22 minutes left for Brock Purdy to work his magic. Now, that's not saying that he can't do it because six points, you know, three possessions before half, you know, going up 27 to 10 instead of going up 24 to 10. Sorry, 27 to 17. Sorry, 27 to 7. I'm, I'm so, my bad. 27 to 7 before mm-hmm. half, 24 to 7. 20 points, right? I mean, yeah, you have, and then if they're able to, you know, convert, I mean, but you know what? There's a series, football is a very funny sport. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? We consider top of hypotheticals, right? But what's on the field? Ebbs and flows and adjustments of the games. And I mean, what I mean, Brock Purdy has tremendous character. That offense showed me how much character they had. That's what my buddy kept saying. God, this team has so much character. Look at the character. I mean, they're so disciplined. They have so much character. And they, they fucking proved it. They fucking proved it. They showed you, me, the whole world, how much character they have in the biggest moment. Before the biggest moment, which is what we're going to talk about now. But I just want to say one last thing, right? Yeah, I think Dan Campbell probably did blow it. I think they had a shot. And, you know, shout out to all Lions fans that were there. Um, But, you know, hey, man, that's that's the nature of football, bro. I mean, you out, you go out there to play to win the game. You don't get calls that go your way. You make decisions that sometimes work, sometimes don't. But Dan Campbell's kind of gutsiness is kind of what got Detroit, and that kind of did get Detroit this position. And you know, live by the live by going, live by the risk. You die by the risk. That's how it is. Live by a three, die by a three. Certain principles and certain kind of you know old habits they die hard, and that's what exactly happened to Dan and the and the Detroit Lions. But congrats on a great season. I really enjoyed meeting all you Detroit Lions fans, especially the one sitting behind me who almost took these chains because he took off his shirt near the end. Um, you know, <laughs> I enjoyed meeting y'all. So I mean, Look, no, I, get, I, I uh, think that Detroit's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. I think they're building a winning culture there. Yep. You, you didn't get there on your first try. Yep. Cry about it. Yeah. San Francisco didn't get there in their first try either. Yeah. They're not crying about it. 100%. They put their heads down. When they got beat a couple times, when people got hurt, they all said, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. One thing I do like about Justin Fields is every time he gets on that microphone, he talks about what he could have done better, and he talks about what the team could have done better. And as a leader, you have to be able to critique not just yourself, but also your team. And I think that if if both if both Baltimore and Detroit does that, then they will have another shot at getting there. And does that mean that they're going to get there next year? Doesn't. It means that they'll have another shot at getting there. It means they'll play their season with with purpose. They'll play their season with meetings. Bears won five of their last seven. Can't be upset about that. Can't be upset about Justin Fields doing his thing. Can't be upset about Lamar Jackson going off this year. He'll probably be the MVP. I think that C-Mac or Purdy should probably get it, but they'll probably give it to uh, Lamar. Lamar. They'll probably give it to him. I think that, you know, C-Mac or Purdy will probably be the Super Bowl MVP, depending on which one of them performs at their best. But at the end of the day, like we said, man, it's football. There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. And stay healthy and get another shot. Campbell knows what he's got to do. I bet he keeps those field goals next year. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. You know, because I think his stubbornness and his his willingness to go for it is is, is what defines him as a coach. But let's kind of talk about what you just said. Because you asked me that question about do I think. So ask me that question again about, about, about the next game, the last game of the year. Ask me that question again. Do you about what I said about the 49ers? 
Yeah, the question. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll say it. Do I think the 49ers can take on the Kansas City Chiefs and beat the Dynasty Chiefs? Oh, I'm a, I'm I'm going to put this in there before you answer. My answer is very simple. Huh? Yes. And the Kansas City Chiefs better score more than 17 points because they're going to need a lot more than that to beat the 49ers. Right. And we're I looking think... at it. This game needs to be a shootout, and if it's not, we're going to see the Chiefs go down hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. The Chiefs have, have been winning these chippy battles, but the 49ers just have too much talent, bro. I mean, there really is no excuse. So my answer is, do I think? No, no, no. I don't, I don't think. I don't know. They need to win this Super Bowl. That's it. You can make four NFC championships in five years. That's all beautiful. You can win two. That's all great. I know how hard it is to win. The, I don't. As a fan, I know how hard it is to win in the NFL by talking to other players like Booby Dixon and many others who have given first-hand testimony. Shout out to Dexter Carter. I saw the like on my post on the NFC Championship. Love you, big dog. I know, I know you're flashing your ring, Super Bowl 29 ring. But with the, all that said, you play to win the game. You don't make these moves to get Christian McCaffrey. You don't make the move to get Chase Young. You don't make the moves to sign Trent Williams right after you lose to the Chiefs. You have been the last four years – of 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 reeling from that Super Bowl loss have been to build for this exact moment. Do I think the Niners can beat the Chiefs? Absolutely, I agree with you. But do I think that to your point, it Chippy Battle favors them? I think it probably does favor us or the Chiefs a little bit because Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs has been playing great. So um, and both defenses are good. Chiefs are maybe a little bit better defensively, but then again, that could be debated. But I mean, the stats say otherwise. But I'm just going to stats. I mean, the, the Chiefs are in the AFC, and I want to think that the AFC was a lot weaker than the NFC this year. Yeah, yeah, no, AFC was actually interesting. AFC actually looked a little tougher, but then in the actual postseason, Kansas City just kind of handled their business. And I mean, it's kind of interesting because the narrative about the Chiefs not being able to win a road game—they won two. <laughs> they actually, yeah. So I mean, but yeah, I to mean, your point. I mean, the yeah. Bills are going to wet the bed because that's what the Bills do. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the Bills do. And they had a favorable matchup against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Everybody was saying it wasn't a favorable matchup, but yeah, it was. I said this. Yeah. I asked the question, where's the game at? Buffalo. Okay, it didn't really make a difference because they, they... – look, man, if I kick your butt every time I see you, am I going to be afraid to play you anywhere? <laughs> Oh my God, man! No, you're hundred. You're on the money. So you're right. AFC, fool's gold. NFC, Niners, baby. I love. Dude. I love that. They- okay, let, let's let's run. Let's do this. What we did this seven weeks ago. We're gonna do it again. Everybody okay. ready? Let's get on the bus. All right. We're gonna name. Dude, we're gonna go back and let's put it. Go back in the wayback machine and act like that it's week eleven again, or we're on the. We're getting ready for week eleven. Okay, and we're gonna say it. Let's start with number one. My Chicago Bears, very dangerous team, ready to come up defensively, quickly rising. They 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 put up the most the, the most turnovers on on defense in in the last few weeks for any team in America. So the Bears defense on the rise. Bears offense on the rise. They're getting Justin Fields back there, and and, uh, and and Justin Fields has shown that he can lead the team. Let's hope the Bears can finish a game with that piss poor coaching staff. All right. Well, guess what? 
They've already fixed the coaching staff for some parts of it. They've hired a guy that's used to working with quarterbacks that other people can't work with. You see what he did in Seattle. They did great. I don't care what anybody says about Seattle. They did great for what they have. They lost a bunch of players, and they, and they still made it work. Let's keep going. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are a team that's historically been terrible. Terrible. The ass juice of football, okay? But they have shown they can be one of the best teams, if not the best team in football, week in and week out by consistent gameplay. They have a problem against division opponents, but let's face the facts here. If you're in the NFC North, you got to deal with the Chicago Bears, the, 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 the Green Bay fucking Fudge Packers. You have to deal with the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> and you have the Detroit Lions. You don't have an easy division to play in, and you got to play all of these teams no less than six times. That yep. is a third of your schedule. Yep. Okay? You have so no matter what, you're going against some of the toughest teams to deal with. Let's talk about Minnesota. You lost Cousins, but you know what? The rest of your team is actually solid and sound. Cousins comes back next year. We're going to go to San Francisco now. Probably the best team in football over the last three years, and they have proved it with not one quarterback, not two quarterbacks, but three different quarterbacks, four different quarterbacks, if you count that backup that was in for a little bit. And they yep. went out there and they won games consistently and convincingly every single time. You have the New Orleans Saints, a fringe team that could possibly do better next year. And you have the resurgent, not incumbent, resurgent Baker Mayfield in, in, uh, in, in, in Tampa Bay. And that's not even all of the teams in the NFC. We're talking about six or seven teams that could interchange with each other and be right there to play and win. And then you have the Lions, I mean the Lions, the Rams are about three or four pieces away from being contenders again. All right? Yep. And that includes a head coach because that was some weird stuff that you did, Sean McVay, and I am not absolving you from it either. Yep. Okay? So we're talking about a division that's kicking each other's ass. For most of the season, the NFC looked quote unquote weaker than the AFC because the NFC was literally kicking each other's ass all year and the games were toss ups. It was hard to pick winners for most of the games because of how good and how much parity is the word of the season for 2023. The 2023 season was a lot of parity, a lot of teams were good. That's why you had eight and eight teams fighting to make the playoffs. We had six teams fighting to make the playoffs because those guys were good. They weren't bad. They were just playing against other good teams. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm with you. Seattle's I included. Mean, Seattle's included. Absolutely. Seattle, Seattle almost made the postseason near the end. So now You go to AFC, you got – who did you seriously have? In the AFC, you had the Bills. You had Kansas City, even though they were not that good. Don't forget about the Eagles, but I purposely didn't mention them. We're going to move past the Eagles. And I'm definitely not mentioning the Cowboys because December comes around and the Cowboys disappear. Yeah, well, yeah but you're talking NFC. We're in AFC. Right. I, I, that's why I, I was just saying why I didn't mention them. Okay. In the AFC, you have Miami. They're, Miami is just the Dallas Cowboys of the East Coast. Challenge me. You have the Bills. Were the Eagles of the East Coast. Yep. yep. You have the non-existent Patriots. And you have an injured Chargers team with also a terrible coach. Uh-huh. You had... I mean, who, 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 Baltimore? Yeah, Baltimore. 
That's it. That's it. In Kansas That's City. It. Who yeah. else? Was That's there anybody it. else that we – No. Who else was good? That's it. Oakland wasn't good. <laughs> well, you mean Las Vegas. Yeah, Las Vegas wasn't good. Um, The Jets? The Giants? They're in the NFC. Give me some help. Somebody. <laughs> no, 100%, bro. The, ja no, the Jaguars? Bro. <laughs> no, we, we're good. We're good. No, no, you made your point. You made your point. The NFC was way better than the AFC this year. Absolutely. The reason and the 49ers dominated the NFC. Yep. Did they not? Brock Purdy. I saw a stat tape from, from Emmanuel Acho. Brock Purdy is the only quarterback. Well, not the only, but yes, he is. Well, yes, he's the only NFC quarterback who have beaten all the NFC playoff teams in either the regular or, po or postseason. So, if that's not dominating and he's a game manager, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I am so tired of people penalizing players for having other good players that play together well on their team. That's what you're supposed to do in the sport. Yes. Play good with your teammates. And if you don't play good with your teammates, then you probably shouldn't be in the sport. That's just how it works. There's been plenty of guys who are excellent players by themselves. And guess what they won? Nothing. Barry Sanders, what did you win? Oh, I saw him also, by the way. I saw him. I saw him yesterday. He was there. He was there. The man. I loved Barry Sanders. I love Barry Sanders. Well, you obviously love more than me because you know the position. The greatest. The yeah, greatest but Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson. What did those guys win, though? I mean, you know, and to your point, Joe Montana needed Jerry Rice. Steve Young needed Jerry Rice. Tom Brady needed Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Payne Manning needed. Yeah, Payne Manning needed a few players, you know, here and there. I mean, you can't win without good without without good players. Good teams are what wins. Not like you said, football is the ultimate team sport. Okay, and so if you don't have good players and you don't have an all star roster, chances are you're probably not going to be able to compete or go very far. Right. What Brock Purdy is doing with four to five Hall of Famers on his side of the ball, even with those, the reason why I'm saying we can't discredit, to your point, we can't discredit what he did, Jimmy Garoppolo had those same exact weapons. Yeah, he made a Super Bowl, okay? But he didn't do any of these things that Brock could do and has done, okay? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, Trey Lance had the same system. How did Trey do? Nick Mullins? DJ Beathard? The list goes on. Y'all, I've been watching Levi's game. I've been to these games every single year since 2015. I saw CJ Beathard twice. Okay. I saw him twice. All right. It is not a pretty sight. You know what? You know what? I wish I we got to see. I yeah. wish we got to see the game in Candlestick Park. But you know what? This place doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. But the memories remain. Because you, because if you walk well, around. I was watching a documentary on Candlestick the other day. And this guy uh, went out there. And dude, there ain't nothing there except for like. A, like a, like the, the entrance gates. They tore down everything except for the entrance gates in like one parking lot stand. Yeah, that's that's how it is. So let's actually talk about now kind of the actual game itself, Super Bowl preview, because I want to talk about it. I think the Niners, like you said, low scoring. If it's low scoring, which I agree with, Niners can definitely make it their game. Um, I just think, you know, the offense of the Niners, to your point, it can be very high scoring. Uh, the Niners' defense needs to just tighten up a little bit. And to your point, you know, I think 
you know, as long as the Niners are able to kind of ball them up, the secondary can do their job against those Chiefs receivers who have actually looked much better this postseason, then, you know, it, 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 I think it'll bode well. Um, I think if, as long as the run, the Niners stick to the run and just attack the Chiefs, you know, uh, on those straight runs downhill, you know more all about that with CMC and Jordan Mitchell, and then they'll be able to, you know, have their way. I think the scoring, right, Niners do definitely need to get points on the board early uh, against Chris Jones and them, Jerry Sneeze and all those boys. And then and then and then it'll be their game, you know. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm not confident. I'm just saying that, you know, until I actually see it, because we've been waiting 30 fucking years for this shit, you know, I'm gonna keep shaking this chain. Hell yeah. Okay. But I'm saying that, you know, I really think that this is their best opportunity to win. If this year boom or bust. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo made it, and you know, we all had hope, but Jimmy was never that good that year. Come on. I mean, yeah, Colin Kaepernick had a phenomenal 2012 season, but I mean, come on. Colin Kaepernick with Joe Flacco had 11 touchdowns that postseason. I mean, Joe Flacco was already setting record numbers during that year, and Joe Flacco is – you're seeing it now. You know, that type of quarterback play, it lasts. Traditions, to your point about old school, that lasts, right? So if the Niners get out early and the Niners can basically stop the Chiefs, now if the Chiefs get out early on the, on the side, you know, uh, the Niners do have the opportunity or do have the potential to come back. However – Niners are going to have to make sure that they do it against that number two ranked scoring defense in Kansas City. So, I mean, these are things to consider, but I do think Niners, and, but Patrick Mahomes has not looked that good this postseason. So, as, as much as Pundit says look great, I really think the Niners can take advantage of this game. And I really think they'll take advantage of that matchup. And I think I'm Niners going to win. I'm going to go 27 21 Niners. So, I want to be a little bit meaner than you are. I'm going to go 34 to 17 Niners. Ooh. And I'm going to tell you how you do this. I'm going to tell you how the game is going to go, in my opinion. I say that the Chiefs score on their first drive 7-0. Okay. I say that the 49ers go down and they kick a field goal, make it Uh 7-3. The Chiefs get the ball back and they kick a field goal. Now it's 10-3. I think that the 49ers go three and out. Okay. And then I think Travis Kelsey catches a touchdown pass after a long deep bomb from Brandon Ayuk. No, no, my bad. I think after the after you know uh, Mahomes throws a deep bomb to one of his receivers, and then that that makes it that makes it seventeen to three. Okay. I think that the next play, we go into halftime at uh, 17-10, Kansas. Okay. I think the 49ers get the ball back. They score immediately after at halftime, 17-17. The Chiefs get the ball after that interception. 49ers take it back, six points. Now it's 24-17. The, uh, the Chiefs go all the way down again. Pacheco fumbles. 49ers pick it up. Purdy does his thing. C-Mac runs it in to uh, to make it 31-17. And I think they close out the game with a field goal, make it 34-17. And the 49ers win the Super Bowl. Love it. Love it. I hope the prediction's right, bro. I, I, love I just that. think that Travis Kelsey's going to have less than 10 catches. And I think there's at least he'll catch a touchdown pass and the internet will go crazy. And then, you know, they'll show Taylor Swift again. And then at the end of the game, they'll show her crying. For her, for her bow, and then she breaks up with him in two weeks. 
<laughs> yeah, as if we were saying, it picks her in, fixes in for, for, for the Swifty Bowl. So, but yeah, I'm very happy for this, uh, for you know, for the Niners to get this opportunity because I really think Kansas City is a much better matchup than Baltimore. Um, I don't care. Kansas City split. is way better. Look, if Baltimore, if Baltimore would have played like Baltimore plays, then we would have another rematch. The thing is, Baltimore didn't play like Baltimore. Baltimore played like Baltimore from like six years ago. Yeah, and that's a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what we needed. But, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I can potentially say that's you. I can also see Kansas City winning. I really don't want to. I want to say this about Chiefs fans. Some of y'all are really classy, but some of y'all who are talking your shit on Facebook, I'm keeping the receipts, bro. <laughs> I'm keeping all the receipts, all right? So I'm going to come back in two weeks, all right? Dude, Winner, it, I'm going to tell you straight up. If I'm going to be sore, I'm going to be tired, and my feet are going to be hurting. Hell yeah. And I'll be I'll be in out the country, and I will be if 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 hell freezes over and the Chiefs have a commanding lead with a few minutes left on the clock, not only will I turn the game off because it'll be in Spanish where I'm at. Not that I don't speak it; it's just that I'm, I'm I don't like watching the Spanish broadcast of the games. But if you know, not, not just that, I'll I'll literally start packing my bags to come home and, and not watch the end of the Super Bowl. And I'll be clutching a few of my championship rings along the way because that's just how I do things. Love it. Love it. Okay, man. So we got our Super Bowl picks. We got our recaps of the conference championships. I want to give a shout out to one one of my boys I've been chatting out all week. You know, y'all, you know, y'all, you know, follow me or, you know, y'all who knew him. You know, recipe's Aaron Milan Canar, number 81. You know, uh, when I say 81 forever, it's not for me, it's for him. That, that that that's that's the meaning the meaning the inspiration of 81 forever has now taken new life um you know through my fallen brother um you know if y'all you know those of you local in the california area you know if you if you're interested you know in the moral service you know it'll be it, it's already announced on on his website his family you know i have respect for this family i'm just gonna you know let them you know you can just look it up online i want to say something bro about aaron i mean i'm probably gonna do a full episode tribute to him but i just want to say this you know think about people who don't really understand semi-pro and like us athletes right I mean, we go out there and, you know, we give it our all and we don't get paid. Or if we get paid, it's a very, it's a very minimal amount. Minor league, semi-pro, what happened? Even arena, okay? Yeah. So when we talk about love of the game, we talk about the 49ers. You know, I really wish Aaron was here to see this because he was a diehard Niners fan. But I know I just felt his energy in that arena yesterday, man. I felt it. Like, it was just his aura. And I kept feeling it the year after, week after he passed. And it's just, but then again, it could just be the Niners. I don't know, man. It's just insane. But, you know, I mean, the thing about people who disrespect minor football players and semi-pro, I mean, like, you got like Odin Lloyd, you know, another fallen brother, you know, who also died from gun violence. I mean, he was also, you know, a semi-pro player. You know, I think, you know, I mean, if you don't respect it, that's cool. But like, you know, I mean, we're out here and, you know, we put on our work and we put it on tape and, you know, if there's an issue with any of that stuff, that means it's all good. But, you know, I, I didn't mean to go on this tangent, but I just want to give my boy a shout out. Because you know I'm a yeah. continuation of Cammy's legacy, you know, through through you know through, through you know fraternity. You you have been nothing but classy throughout the process, like even with your fandom. So I mean, anybody that's hating on it or anybody that's not understanding that the sport is a sport where, where people get are emotional and they do have their feelings about how the way things go. Like yeah. once again, I'll say it again: the Ravens lost because they didn't keep their emotions in check. Yeah. Like, the Ravens aren't a bad football team. The Ravens didn't show me anything that wouldn't have beat anybody else. It's that you got to keep your emotions in check. I knew the minute that there was a penalty 
from Van Oy headbutting Travis Kelsey that there was going to be a problem. Yeah. Okay. Kelsey was drawing fouls left and right because the guys were inexperienced and young where he's been there before, you know? So at the end of the day, you gave the props where props are due. You know, you gave the critique where critique is due. That's part of our job, you know, as, as, you know, commentary about these sports that are being played, you know, whether we're current athletes or former athletes or just people who love the sport, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to call it how we see it. Yeah, you didn't see everything that we saw in, uh, by watching the game, both being on the field and on television. We see all those things. So that's for us to let you guys know. Every game is not just about how talented you are. Sometimes it's about what's going on up here. Yeah. It's really it's hard to play 90, a game. It's 90%, it's 90 of what's going on up here. Football is 90% mental. All right. You know, football is 90% mental. And for those of you who don't understand that, you know, you got to, you know, you got to coached up and you got to, you know, get get out there. And then you understand why. Because mental mistakes are what lead to actual in-game mistakes. Those errors are then basically, you know, capitalized by your opponent. And then those can end up costing you in, in the end, right? So, es essentially, that's the point. I think, you know, to your point, Cortez, bro, I appreciate you bringing that up. And, you know, much love to you, my brother. But pretty much, you know, I think, you know, if Chiefs fans – Anyone has an issue? Yeah, I mean, y'all. I mean, I mean, whatever. I mean, y'all feel confident. Y'all dynasty. Yeah, I mean, talk your shit. You know, but to say that, yeah, you know, oh yeah, it's cute to see your hope. It's cute to see that. Boy, man, we are the fucking number one seed for a goddamn reason, man. Like we are coming. Like this is not the Jimmy Garoppolo Niners. No, this is Brock motherfucking Purdy, Mister Relevant, the first Mister Relevant to ever start a Super Bowl as a quarterback. I mean, this is and this this man is just insane. Twenty four years old. I mean, I'm he's almost a decade younger than me. I mean, this this man is is doing incredible things. This kid, in my opinion, sorry, yeah, kid is doing incredible things, and this yeah, will be his this is opportunity to show himself. So once again, once recipes, my boy, uh, my my brother Adam, you know, inshallah, you know, I'll, I'll see you soon, bro. And uh, yeah, man, you know, I mean, it's just you know, it's incredible because you know, Adam, you know, he was actually able to find Islam. Around the time we met, and uh, you know, it was beautiful to see his transformation and how much passion he had. And I hope I can carry that with you know, with me. So, um, before we close out the episode, I want to talk about the World Rumble because I see your We the One shirt. You know, there's a lot of different storylines. I really love the finish of Cody winning again. I really think they're going to go with Cody being Roman. Obviously, The Rock came back. We talked about that. Um, I think CM Punk being the last elimination, last eliminated uh, participant, that that probably bodes well for him too. He could probably do some a program with Seth, probably take the ball from him. That, that'll probably make some money. Um, the ones were almost pretty good too. Um, you know, Bailey winning was probably kind of, was kind of surprising, honestly. But um, yeah, and then obviously, you know, the board Rome retaining and foil for fatal four way, and obviously Logan Paul retaining. Um, you know, nothing nothing too too unexpected. Pretty, pretty good solve event. What stood out for you for the Royal Rumble and what are your predictions for WrestleMania? Um let me so let me look at this real quick. So we both know that Braun Breaker took Brock Lesnar's spot in the Royal Rumble because of the ongoing legal battle and uh, allegations that have recently made last week on Thursday. Uh -huh. um, and um, I don't want to talk about that because it's none of my damn business. No, yeah. And when stuff comes out, then you know we'll do our due diligence as people who talk about these things. I don't yep. want to call us reporters. That's not what we are. No, fuck that. <laughs> I ain't um, no fucking reporter. We're not reporters and we're not investigative journalists. We don't do that, okay? We're yeah, athletes. we got opinions, bro. We got opinions. Right. We're <laughs> athletes with opinions, okay? Yes, we're sir. athletes with opinions. And that's yes, we've sir. never claimed to be anything more. 
Um, I will say I'm going to think that Braun Breaker is going to make a move to the main roster because he, he looked great. Um, I would say that we will get a surprise from a TNA wrestler in the WrestleMania um, because of the working relationship with WWE and TNA, which I think is wonderful. Um, much better than the Forbidden Door stuff that we saw, so I'm just keeping it real. Um, I think that we will... We're going to see some shenanigans at WrestleMania with the women's titles, both of them. Um, I don't think Rhea Ripley loses. I think she does. You know why? Because, 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 because I think Jade, Jade, uh, Jade Car, uh, Jade Cargill, they're they're gonna because you saw the Bianca and Jade kind of you know that little kind of double pressing air is a spot. I think I think they're gonna make Bianca and Bailey or something like that. They're gonna get Bianca in the mix for one. I think Jay's gonna win the other. I think Jay's gonna be the one. Oh, to... Bianca will be in the mix for one of the titles. Yeah, I think I think but I think Jay they're gonna get her involved too because I think it's. So are we looking at two two triple threat matches? Potentially, potentially. Because we already smart, know that tomorrow they'll do it. You know what I mean? Because okay. Bailey's, I mean Becky's already set up to fight Rhea at WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. I think they're gonna throw Jade in one of those. Yeah, yeah, they they have now, to. Now the only I mean, way that Becky, the only way that I can see, I can see Bailey choosing Rhea Ripley. If if Bailey is all about damage control, she'll choose Rhea Ripley. If they're gonna split up damage control, then Bailey will choose uh, Eo Sky. Or what's more likely to happen, Eo Sky loses that title in a month. Yeah. I don't think Io Sky walks into WrestleMania as the women's champion. I think yeah. that possibly Bianca Belair walks into WrestleMania as the women's champion, and I think that Bailey challenges Bianca in Io's place. Yeah. Now, unless unless Io stays healthy and all the way to WrestleMania and stays the champion all the way to WrestleMania, she hasn't been defending that title that much. Then I'll see a triple threat mat- match, but I can also see Bailey challenging. Rhea Ripley and choosing Rhea Ripley to uh, on Monday. I can see her challenging Rhea Ripley. If, if Damage Control shows up on Monday, then we'll say that um, well, that's tonight. Yeah. That's in a few minutes. If, yes, if Bailey shows up tonight, uh, she'll challenge Rhea Ripley on Raw. And that'll open up space. But I also think that Jade Cargill goes to SmackDown. Okay. Do I think that Jade Cargill should go to SmackDown? No. But I think Jade Cargill goes to SmackDown only so she can get a little bit more exposure nationwide. Yeah. I would put Jade Cargill on Raw, but Michael Cole's commentating on SmackDown, correct? Yes, sir. Michael Cole's going to put Jade Cargill over like she's the greatest superstar ever. And you know what? I'm tired of people not giving Michael Cole his recognition. Michael Cole is one of the greatest announcers of all time, if not the greatest announcer of all time. And I think that there that my childhood was great with the guys that we had calling the matches. Whether it let's go all the way back. Let's go back to to Jim Ross and uh, and and Vince. You know, he who I should not be named. I'm naming him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that that once Jerry the King Lawler took over, 
was great. I think that when Savage was there, he was great in his role as an announcer. You know, Bobby Heenan was was good in his role as an announcer. And I think that WWE has gotten 90% of their announcers right. I'm not forgetting about the coach. Uh, you know, I'm not forgetting about Michael Hayes. I'm not forgetting about, uh, you know, Wade Barrett's coming up. I'm not forgetting about Taz, Samoa Joe. And um, there's one more guy. You know, I I liked um, who was the guy that went from NXT to WWE back to UFC in boxing? Uh, uh, Mauro Ro- Rolo. Yeah, Mauro Ronolo. However you say right. his name, he's he was great. I liked him. Pat McAfee obviously is fantastic. Uh, Corey is gonna get his flowers, you know. Too, I would love to see Corey back in the ring though. Um, you know, Booker. The, you know, WWE's had a really good done a really good job of picking commentary teams. And then I'm not forgetting about some of the other guys that have been lesser known characters because you guys are all good. There's really only like two really bad commentary people, and they are not gonna get any airtime on the show. So um I I think that but Michael Cole is the best at putting people over. Yeah. And I, I think that without Michael Cole, some of the most iconic moments in sports entertainment history never would have happened because he wouldn't have been there to put them over. And I think that wherever Michael Cole is commentating at, that's where they should send Jay Cargill because he did such a good job of putting Jay Cargill over. And he did a really good job of uh, putting over, you know, Miss Pop, Miss Mama Pump, Jay, uh, Jordan Grace. And uh, a lot, I know a lot <laughs> of you don't like Jordan Grace, but you guys didn't follow Jordan Grace for the last like seven years. Like I did. She's awesome. Okay. She's annoying sometimes, but who is it? Yes, sir. Even 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 our tribal queef is annoying sometimes, you know. But I can I can get down with some with some Jordan Grace. I I, I would hope that she would tone down a little bit on the uh, the pump stuff though. That's just my opinion. I don't think she needs to do all that to get over in WWE. I think that in TNA she needs to do that. But I think that in WWE we would love to see more of the cute Jordan Jordan Grace, like cute but strong. Like I think that a lot of women wrestlers in in WWE get over by being cute but also very strong. I mean, even if they're not very strong, they can they can play the part. Look at Alexa Bliss. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I need to ask you, dude. Are we? Are, are, is, should WWE give up on Liv Morgan yet? I mean, I don't care <laughs> at this point. I mean, if they keep her great, if she does, she wants to go. Because the ball's really in her court at this point. You know, it's not really. I mean, I, I read all the reports. I mean, she really has the the, the latitude if she wants to stay or she wants to go. It's her. It's her decision. You know, I mean, is there, if she is wants... there anybody from that faction that actually panned out? I don't know. What were they called again? I the Riot Squad. Something. Liv I mean, Liv Morgan Wait. and Sarah Logan. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah definitely didn't pan out, but Liv definitely, you know, made... You know, Valhalla lasted for, what, eight seconds in the Rumble? Yeah, he, she did. And, you know, I mean, Eric and Ivar, you know, they're doing what they can do. But, you know, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I really Ivar like... Ivar was awesome. Ivar was awesome, yeah. It's Ivar was... He was awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really, It's really interesting to see kind of how these guys are kind of taking it, you know, moving around and doing these types of things, you know. But anyways, I just think, I mean, whatever works for best for Liv is whatever, whatever decisions you're going to make. So, you know, but, you know, I think that kind of wraps it up. You know, I think that was this was a great, great episode. Y'all got our picks. You know, speaking of the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, you were right. 49ers was his number one pick. Chiefs was number two. 
You know, I mean, I, hey, man, you know, we out here. Oh, and, uh, was I right about Roman Reigns? Yes, you were. I think my favorite spot, though, of the entire men's match was yeet. No, yeet. yeet. Bro, yeet they're going to make and no they're yeet. Gonna make, like, they're gonna make that, bro. That's gonna be one of the matches on on, on main on, on WrestleMania. It may not be main event, right? But Jimmy versus Jay, that's money. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to see. You can't miss. The you only miss. thing that I would have done in that match is I would have had a split second where Jimmy and Jay teamed up to 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 throw people out, and then I want then they would have remembered that they actually don't like each other right now. <laughs> yeah, I that would have been I, great. I would have liked for them to do that, but this this rumble was strictly faces versus heels. Right. That should have been I mean, the name I, of this rumble. Yeah. I mean that's how it is. So but yeah, bro. Anyways, no, dude, y'all got our picks. We both got the Niners. You got a recap for the NFC championship game, AFC championship. You got our picks for the Super Bowl, Niners and Chiefs, Niners over Chiefs. You got the Royal Rumble recap. You got basically got the WrestleMania preview. And oh, no. one more thing. C M Punk. Yes. Versus Cody Rhodes. That was fantastic. Oh, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying that's that's long-term storytelling. They're gonna make Cody win it, win the belt, finish the story, and then his first line will be none other than the best in the world. So that that's I, I, I can I honestly if if Rollins is healthy, CM Punk takes that belt from Rollins. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing against Rollins, but CM Punk takes that belt from Rollins, but I do not see CM Punk leaving WrestleMania with that belt, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I agree 100%. I, agree. I think CM Punk wins it from, CM, from from Rollins, and I think CM Punk has that belt for all of 35 seconds before, uh, before Damien cashes in on him. <laughs> And hey, that no, just seems go. to be the way that things are in WWE. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or Rollins is really injured. And they go out for a match and don't tell you that Rollins is injured. And Rollins has an accident during the match. Damian cashes in, wins the title, and faces CM Punk at um, at WrestleMania. Yeah. I don't think we see The Rock until until Saudi. Yeah, Saudi, Elimination Chamber, what have you, but I'm kind of over that. I don't care. Cody gets the belt. CM Punk's next in line, or he beats Seth. I agree with you on all your takes. But once again, y'all got our NFC Championship game recap. Niners, baby. You got our AFC Championship game recap. Baltimore Blunder. You got our Super Bowl picks. Niners over Chiefs. You got our Royal Rumble recap. Men's, women's, as well as foreshadowing WrestleMania 40. In Philadelphia, shout out Andrew Joseph Well, My boy's going to be there. Once again, you know, y'all can tune into us, DDOG Podcast, at Soul Reaper 24, my boy with over 6,000 followers. Follow me. Obviously, y'all know me. You can keep following the channel for more clips. You know, uh, we'll see if I go to the big game. <laughs> but essentially, I hope you do. Hey, but essentially, thank you all for tuning in. God bless. Hope you guys all have a great, great, you know, Super Bowl week. And, uh, you know, we'll be back on soon. Thank you all for tuning yep. in. Thank you all for your football thoughtful comments, especially for Autumn. I'll be doing an episode about him maybe sometime later this week, if not, you know, after that. 
and I'm very thankful, you know, for everything. And, uh, you know, y'all, y'all, you know, I appreciate y'all, you know, being here, y'all family, well, family, you know, Niners familiar, but football's family. So, you know, if your team lost this weekend, my apologies, but yeah, bro, I'm looking forward hey, to, you know, there ain't no apologies to the Detroit Leons. <laughs> my man, Keegan, Michael Murray. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all stay safe. Stay up. 81 forever.